All right, part three here on the Chase Most Podcast, uh, the Wednesday, May 25th uh, edition of the Chase Most Podcast coming up in just one second. We've got the scores, uh, Esfandiar, Barahini, uh, to talk about all things NBA. It was great having him on this edition of the podcast. We were able to talk about which series and the, the, which conference final series uh, has had the majority of our attention and why uh, Scotty Barnes rookie season success up there in Toronto uh, what Travis Schlink should do as general manager of the Atlanta Hawks this summer um, the Nuggets and if fans should be nervous uh, considering what just happened with Tim Connolly taking the Minnesota job and then uh, best fits for DeAndre Ayton in uh, restricted free agency so all that and more on part three of today's edition of the podcast coming up. Don't forget, folks, you can watch this episode and this show on YouTube as well. If you prefer to watch these podcasts, you can do so at the Chase Most Podcast on YouTube. So go check that out and subscribe today. Like and subscribe. And then, of course, make sure that you tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. And then email this very program at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. All right, part three coming up. Just one second. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am now joined by a first timer up there across the border in a totally different area, very, very different than East Tennessee, would be my guess, uh, where this man is. What do you think, man? Yeah, probably a little bit. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit. although I've never been to Tennessee. I'd, I'd love to love to gander and try try it out. I've heard the, the food there is awesome. So, Food's good. Food's yeah. good. The looks are good, um, but it just depends on where you go. But I'm in East Tennessee. There's Memphis all the way over that has great barbecue. Um, Nashville's just yeah. it's in the middle. It's not really my scene. I'm not a big Nashville guy, but... Um, not really my honky tonk type, uh, type deal. Uh, but I'm glad uh, that you're here, man, because we have, uh, a lot of NBA to talk about. So, uh, I was like, you know, I think we need to get a Raptors person on. We got to get a Raptors insider to talk about the NBA. So you do NBA content at the score. You, I, when I first learned about you was back in the Raptors Republic day. Um, God, I mean the ESPN true hoop network, the amount of people that it's just pushed through, but I uh, I miss it. I miss the prime peak uh, ESPN True Hoop Network days because there was just so much great stuff all across the internet every single day. Um, but maybe there will be a rebirth at some point. Who knows? But uh, it's Vindiar, uh Bera Heaney. There you go. I did it. There you go. You got it. You got okay. It. I yeah. did it. I did it. I was I was pr- I was building up to it. I was building up, man. Yeah, I'm um, not gonna lie. Every pod I've ever been to, it's like it's like the moment. You know, it's mm-hmm. like one of those things where it's like, can you do it? And you, you did it. You success. Check mark. You, you got it. Done. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, well, I am excited to talk about a couple NBA things with you, man. And first up, uh, I wanted to ask. So there's two series going on, uh, ostensibly two series going on, because it, it it looks like the Mavs Warriors is is kaput with three zero. Uh, for the Warriors, but the Celtics Heat is just going to be whoever has uh, five guys left standing by the end of the <laughs> se- this series. It looks like, but what uh, what series have you found yourself more uh, more intrigued by to this point? I'm assuming you mean between the the two that are remaining. Right? Yes, um, I I think the more intriguing one, as, as crazy as it might be, is the the Mavericks warrior series. Hmm. I, I know it's three, nothing. I, mm-hmm. I understand that. Um, and look, that's not always going to be the more entertaining one when you know, who's going to be the eventual winner. 
But I think the the interesting thing to me was seeing a young Luca react to how a playoff team, a championship contending team, is going to guard him. Um, mm. you know, obviously, with Phoenix, he he dealt with that in a tremendous fashion. But I knew it would be a little bit difficult for him to approach Golden State the same way, just because Golden State, in terms of their defense, like the switchability that they have, obviously Draymond, it's it's a different animal, totally different monster to try and conquer. Um, and I think that was kind of one of those things that I was looking forward to. Like, can he rise up to this challenge? I think he has, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, they're just, they're not as good of a team. They don't have the the surrounding core to be able to contribute. You know, like, let's say a, a Dorian Finney-Smith can only do so much, right? Uh, a Maxi Kleber can only do so much. He, he needs that help around him at the end of the day. And obviously he doesn't have that yet, but it is interesting to see him kind of like, in real time, figure out what works and what doesn't against a, a team of this caliber. Yeah, and I just, I don't think there's a path. Like, the Chris Tapps situation just kind of put them in a tough spot. I mean, you paid Brunson, and Brunson's a great player, so you're locked in with Brunson for a while. You're locked in with Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, the Reggie Bullock spot, I guess you can upgrade on, potentially, but they're not. Like, they do not have a bunch of cap room next summer. So, I don't know. They're kind of they're kind of restricted on what they can actually do. But like you said, it's, th- it's that Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba stuff. So uh, Maxi Kleba, what did he go? 0 for five in yeah. uh, game three. And that was one of those, when you go back home, the, the hope is when he gets those minutes and comes in for Dwight Powell, then things flip and he, he goes off. And then you have this five man unit that's just shooting, shooting, shooting. And the warriors are stretched then. And instead he just, he has not had a good series at all. And that was like one of those where if Kavon Looney is going to be what Kavon Looney is, <laughs> uh, you need Maxi Kleba to step up and kind of go back and forth. And they're completely different players, but you need those kind of role bigs to to do stuff. And it yep. just hasn't been the case, right? Big reason uh, I think the, the Suns pulled out, sorry, the Mavs pulled out the series against the Suns was because of how well DFS played in a couple of those mm-hmm. games. The way he's just spotting up, uh, they use him as kind of this, this, this screener and then he... he I guess he goes to screen or whatever you want to call it, whatever you know terminology you want to use, and he mm. pops out, and that's that's kind of an automatic three for him every single time. That isn't as possible now because the Warriors just know how to counter that so well, uh, especially mm. with Draymond, Draymond at the back line. They just know exactly what they're doing. I think the the big issue with with the Mavs in general and then the outlook of the future with Luka Doncic is the fact that they don't have many first round picks either to maneuver so it can't be Mm -hmm. like hey let's attach this to this player so that we can build on it and and you know add another player to us a la a zach levine a la whoever is going to be out there next there's just not that that the asset pool that you would Mm -hmm. like around luka Doncic, and that's i guess that's the thing that um you know is kind of a dark cloud hanging over whatever optimism you have as a mass fan right now yeah, I think it's just going to be kind of the dark thing where they're just going to have to hope that they get the right collection of role guys around yeah. Luca, and they just strike lightning in a bottle. Hopefully it doesn't take as long uh, in their career. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I just, uh, talking to Lauren Gunn, who's really familiar with the Mavs and just talking to Mavs folks, it just seems like they're kind of, this is what we have. And we can maybe sub in this role guy for this role guy. But outside of that, I think this is going to be kind of how they, they build their team and kind of how they navigate Luca's yeah. early prime here in the next couple of years. So it should be interesting to to monitor. Um, Scotty Barnes, man, the team that you keep up with and the Raptors just being 
uh, a pleasant surprise and just rolling six men deep, and they're that's what they're doing. We're playing six guys, Nick Nurse, and if you if you die, you die, um, <laughs> and that's just how they rolled this year. And it was it was interesting because most NBA teams do not play and run like that whatsoever. Um, but Scotty Barnes was asked to do a lot as a rookie, and uh, Beyond the RK was on a few weeks ago, and he does great NBA coverage for the Magic and uh, Beyond, but. He wrote a really good piece with Mark Schindler, who's uh, continuing to rise at the ranks. Shout out to my guy, Mark, but um, about the rookies and the way they're defending and Evan Mobley being a great defender already, but also Scotty Barnes, who point of attack, just a lockdown defender as a rookie. And what we used to assume when rookies came into this league was they weren't going to defend. It was just going to take some time. They were going to be bad defenders. Now it seems like a lot more guys are coming into the league and it's because I guess they've been maybe conditioned to the switchability and like what they have to be at the next level. So they start yeah. in high school learning to defend all five positions. And they're like, we have to be good defenders. If we want to play and we want to make this work, everybody's got to defend. You can't be a Greg Monroe anymore or Joe yeah. Leo for you have to defend. Um, and maybe that's where it's coming from. But Barnes was elite right out of the gate. What did you see from Barnes? And were you like, as the season went on, did you see a lot of growth? Did you, were you surprised by what you saw? Where, where are you at with Scotty? Uh, I mean, surprises is, is to say the least. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of people thought he was going to be um, not as far along offensively. Like, he he genuinely did not. A lot of people imagined he'd be like a Draymond-esque type player where, you know, he gets his buckets here and there, but he's not going to be an offensive force. And that I think that was one thing that caught Raptors fans' attention really, really quickly was that this guy, he knows how to score. Um, he has a knack for it. And especially when it comes to attacking the rim, he just – he has this ability to embrace contact. Um, mm. and that's I think that's the one thing that always catches my eye in rookies is like how physical they like to be. Um, and Scotty is a guy who does not shy away from physicality at all. He actually embraces it. It's probably one of the best parts about his game. I was going to say um, earlier with, with rookies kind of coming into the league on their own, more defensive-minded, I think the one thing that's helped with that is is this movement into positionless basketball because mm-hmm. everybody, like you said, you, you have to be able to guard all five positions or at least try to guard all five positions. And on top of that, because of these these six seven, six eight, six nine, six ten, six eleven guys, um, and Scotty's going to keep growing. Apparently, he's already grown two inches. But um, oh, really? Two inches yeah. since like the last season, or two inches uh, since the season ended? apparently two inches since the last season and then uh, you know there's some rumors right now with photos you know how they do that fancy yeah. photo stuff so i don't know maybe he's got would that put him at now season. he should be at six nine from my calculations so he was at six hmm. seven i guess coming into the draft he might be six nine now who knows if he ends up being six eleven whatever seven footer this fall yeah 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 right um but no I, th- I think it's just look a lot of these guys have these physical tools now uh and at the grassroots level we 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 have a better idea of how to put them into their specific roles. Scotty is a guy who's a roamer. He's versatile mm-hmm. in the sense that he can guard multiple positions. He can he can roam around and pick guys off off ball. Uh, you know, fill passing lanes, etc. Um, that's that's what his mo was and his bread and butter. I will say that the defense isn't as far along as people have imagined to be. I think that's been exasperated and over exaggerated a little bit because of how like the tools that he has, he has the potential to end up being a very, very good defender. And he's already shown that like he's up to the challenge. He's willing to take on like the best defender every single night, guarding guys like Kevin Durant and Tatum whenever the matchup ends up happening. But I think he's still 
um, a little bit too, you know, risk taking, whatever you want to call it. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. a little bit too ambitious sometimes. Like going um, for steals. Yeah, going for steals. Whether it be like, uh, he's he's pressing up on a guy who is not a shooter, you know, mm-hmm. at half court. And I love that intensity. That's something you appreciate from a player. But that's just more about recognizing the moment, recognizing what's happening around you, and then figuring out, you know, what's the what's the energy level I'm supposed to be at defensively for this specific possession. But yeah, I, th- that's stuff that'll come along, but it's, it's something that with Scotty, you have to, you have to watch. He has all the tools versatility wise. Mm. He can do literally everything on defense. Um, but it's just about figuring out when and where to do those things, which is, it'll come. In time. So what about the offensive side of things? Does, yeah. cause it seemed like coming in, you were just like hoping that it seemed like everyone was like, he has a high floor as a, as a not rotation guy just as like a three and d like that's the best case scenarios he's just like a a great defender in this league for a long time but kind of those og and ob questions where it's like can he do more it's just the tools are all there he has the right look and you throw og out in summer league as a point guard and you're like we can see if he can do some other stuff (laughs) because that changes what you can be as a player like if you can bring the ball up and you can initiate the offense and you can take a lot of that stress off uh fred van fleet and company and back then it was lowry but like i i wonder is scotty barnes a true like high usage offensive player is that something that you could expect to come do you still have some nightmares about uh expecting that for og like what <laughs> uh what do you think with scotty in terms of what you saw this past year that leads you to believe he can be the lead playmaker on a really good team. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we always fall into that trap with three and D guys or guys mm-hmm. that are projected to be three and D guys. Um, ever since Kawhi Leonard came into the league, it's like everybody is trying to find the next Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel like I've I've noticed that same trend with Giannis is like, but he's trying to find Giannis. Oh, yeah, the reason it's hard to find them is because they're that rare. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, when it comes when it t- comes to Scotty and the difference between him and OG. I think Scotty has, at least initially, he was he's at a different level in terms of his own creation versus OG. OG had to kind of resort to the spot up stuff, and that that depends on roster construction as well, right? The roster mm-hmm. back then when OG was was a rookie wasn't necessarily one that required him to create for himself. He was mostly just spotting up, you know, coming off pin downs, etc. But now with Scotty, there is more of a demand for him to carry the ball a little bit more, become your ball mm-hmm. handler, especially with the fact that this year, outside of Fred Van Vliet, the team didn't really have a true point guard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some would even say that Fred is probably better off ball than on ball um, as, as initiator, as a creator. So I, I think the thing is, because of the fact that they were kind of limited in their resources this year, Mm-hmm. It gave him full reign to to try out certain things and be a ball handler, be your, be your primary guy. Fred VanVleet missed a bunch of games. He slotted in as their starting point guard. Um, it's these kind of experiments that that give you the hope that you know one day he can end up being a primary initiator, primary creator. I think the one thing for me with Scotty right now is the fact that he is such a good playmaker, especially in the half court, and and you know his transition stuff has always been good, but. This year, I saw a lot of growth in his decision making in in half court settings, just making the right reads. I think that's something that's going to carry along regardless of if his shot develops, if his pull-up jumper develops. All those things are, are going to be questions that move forward. But I think the playmaking will will help open things up for him. It, it, it'll help, um, you know, negate the amount of attention that he gets on offense or, or at least the double teams and, and, you know, help that he receives because 
they'll they won't want to help off of other guys. So that I guess that's that's one thing that I've I've looked forward to, Scotty. I think the you know to my point earlier, his his physicality is also something that is so so important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be a guy, in my opinion, that two three years down the line, he might end up averaging six to eight free throw attempts just because of the fact of how physical he is. If he can keep this type of physicality up, and then you know if the whistle follows, um, it's just we'll see what happens. He he's one of the best rim finishers in his class if that continues on into being an nba thing then you know i think the offense will will at at the very least i think he'll have a secondary creator type of role when it comes to an Hmm. offense where he can he can generate off the bounce for you a little bit uh off the ball obviously um but in terms of you know the pull-up shooting the three-point shot all that stuff is still very much so a question mark with him so do you think the minute stuff continues next year. Do you think this was just a one year thing where you could do the 40 minutes of your four pieces? Or do you think that Nick nurse kind of adjusts a little bit next year? And it's like, I've got to, we've got to fix our bench. You've got to bring in somebody else. Masai because I cannot play six guys this many minutes. And we saw kind of in the postseason what that uh, looked like in Fred Van Vliet missing a lot of time. Yeah. But is that something that, yeah. I mean, do you think that that's something that continues next year? Or do you think we see a shift in the minutes uh, composition for this team? I think they will at least try to address it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they will at least try to address it. You know, from the way that Nick Nurse was talking in his end-of-season press conference to the way even Fred Van Vliet was talking about it, they know exactly what this team needs. And I think the number one issue, outside of maybe not having a a primary rim protector, a nominal big man, um, Mm. would be the fact that they don't have much depth. You know, Mm. after six or seven, it gets really, really bleak, really, 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 really bad. Um, Mm. And it, it, it doesn't allow you to do some of these things that you want to. I mean, versatility is key in the NBA, especially when you get to the playoffs. And they don't have a way to counteract something in the playoffs and be as versatile as they want to be without depth. They just they have no answer for it. If you take away their bread and butter, they're kind of lost in the wind in terms of what they can do. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think there's there's no question that the minutes thing is probably the number one thing to address, especially because if you look at it, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi were all top 20 in minutes this year. I believe Mm -hmm. Fred Van Vliet led the league, but um, that might've changed later down the road when he started missing games. But like those three are guys that you need to try to reduce their minutes to at least 35, 36 minutes a game versus 40. I think that's going to be one of the main things they address this summer. Okay. Uh, Speaking of, Addressing things this summer, uh, my team, the Atlanta Hawks, has a, have a lot to address this summer. But I wanted yep. to, like, put the GM hat on. Uh, just see, like, you're in Travis Schlink's shoes right now. Yeah. What do you do this summer? Uh, I think, I think the Hawks are in a really, really interesting position, man. Because assets galore. You know, you guys have all of your first round draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, you have a lot of young, interesting talent, whether it be DeAndre Hunter. Uh, I, I call him Kavon just because of what happened in the playoffs, but, you know, Herter. Yeah. Well, some <laughs> uh, people call him Kavon. Uh, when he's on, he's Kavon. When he's, he's uh, just a normal okay. guy, he's Kevin. Yeah. I, I got you. I got you. Well, that's um, actually J- I, JC. I think John Collins was the one who started calling him Kavon. Kavon, um, right. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a thing. Yeah. JC, also another guy, right? John Collins yeah. is, is another young talent. So, I mean, I think... Um, 
in a lot of ways, I look at I, I look at Atlanta and Memphis very similarly. Um, even mm-hmm. though obviously Memphis had the, the, a crazy season this year, Atlanta had a little bit of a disappointing season this year. Last mm-hmm. year, Atlanta had an incredibly promising season, and then last year, Memphis was you know they kind of traded places there. But um, I, I'd look at them similarly because they have this franchise cornerstone type of player, ball handler, initiator, creator. But then they have all of these young guys and interesting talents and all of their draft picks intact for the next, you know, whatever amount of years too, mm-hmm. to move and try to consolidate. Whether that ends up being, you know, a DeAndre Ayton, as that was rumored uh, and that was reported today. And, you know, I know, <laughs> yeah, whether that ends up being mm-hmm. that or, you know, I saw a rumor today about Zach Levine potentially yeah. being an interested, right? So one of those type of moves is on the horizon for Atlanta. I imagine they're going to be very, very uh, busy this offseason. They're going to try to get some help around Trey Young, especially with a little bit of a dip um, in their trajectory this year. It, I, I imagine they'll be busy. That's that's the one thing I can promise is the Hawks are, are going to have a very busy offseason because they, they know what they can be. And they have everything. They have the assets to be able to move around and do stuff. So, Well, I think they were in a better spot last year at this time than this year. And I think that's something that if I had Travis on, I would ask him about because I think – it was before Cam and his value uh, really went away because the last thing we saw from Cam was the Buck series and he popped off at the end there and he was still what if. Now Cam was traded for Kevin Knox and he's just he's on the fringe now. Like he's having to fight for his NBA career really, really early on. Um, but that was the other part of the Luka trade. So he's out. So that's a big piece of like, oh, this, the what if of Cam, could he be a Paul George? You could still talk to some team about like, okay, is Cam Reddish the guy? Cause he has all the tools and he still is a high upside guy. But he's also a really low floor guy. DeAndre Hunter is a really high floor guy really, but that's, that's it. Like the injury stuff has not gone away, but he has a lot of mileage now. And we saw him in the playoffs and he will do the 12 points in the first quarter. And then it's just whatever, for whatever reason, he just, moves into Tony Snell mode for the second and third quarter. It's a consistency and thing. Yeah, it's you. a consistency thing. And it's that in the injuries where I just don't think teams around the league are just jumping at a DeAndre Hunter based on the minutes that we've seen now. So the thing about these young assets is that they eventually play enough where teams around the league are like, okay, I know who this guy is, or I right. know there's enough data on this person that they're not as valuable as they used to be. John Collins just had a really injury riddled year. He had a down year. Um, so his value's down. Clint Capella, injury riddled year, his value's down. And Yekka Nkongwu, who's probably my favorite young guy on this team right now, Same. he's great, but he's in a weird spot because if Capella's here, it's just, I don't know how he gets in the starting lineup and how he gets the minutes he needs with Trey to really blossom their chemistry. And then Bogey's got a big deal. Gallo's out, but I don't know, man. I like, I'm scared of moving Bogey. Like that dude is a gamer and I, he is one of my six, seven guys that I want on this team come playoff time because that guy is ready for the moment. He doesn't shy away from it. He's had some bad knee stuff, but Bogdanovich is built for the playoffs, man. That is a playoff player. And I like him a lot and what he brings to this team. And then JC is a leader. I am just so nervous when I see these names like Levine or Aiden. Yeah. I just, (sighs) Trey is a fantastic player. But one of the things that, jc brings that he does not it seems like is that it's just jc's a leader he's a motivator he's on the bench getting everybody involved he's just more of the kind of guy you need in the locker room to keep this thing humming i don't know if you move a jc and you build around an ayton and a trey i don't know what 
locker room dynamic that is. I don't know what kind of lead, if there's a leadership void there where I don't like I don't Tradis doesn't strike me as a locker room leader, and I could be wrong, but I just don't think he's wired like that, and that's okay. Like I think it's a Harden type deal where he's yep. just not. You need the Draymond. You need somebody like that who is in there. Fred Van Vliet seems like a natural leader in Toronto. I was, I was actually going to bring it's 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 a very similar example because a lot of people have been mentioning, uh, especially in my replies, everybody's mm. just like, "Oh, time to move on from Fred Van Vliet." Time to, but like, the one thing a lot of people underrate is organizational structure. Yes, like it's just figuring out that this guy is your leader. This guy is the mm. dude that has to answer all the all the questions at the end of the season. He's the one that people go to when it comes to like, okay who was responsible for what mm. you type of locker room. Um, and it's more than just, okay, we can trade him now to go get something better or we can trade mm. him because it's time. No, I, I think you need those type of guys on your team. And especially when they're contributing, like JC, he's going to end up, I, I believe he has all-star potential. Uh, I, mm. I believe he can get to that point. Fred Van Vliet also obviously met his all-star potential this year. So I, I just, I, I think those guys are valued and they're valuable to franchises more mm -hmm. than what fan bases may think of. Um, I will say though, I, I, I do think that regardless of, you know, you, you filled, you filled the Hawk stuff with a little bit of dread, right? You're like, I don't know if this works. I don't know if this works. It's not even I just do. dread. It's just more, it makes me anxious, man, because whatever yeah. they do like this, this summer is just so big because if they have another bad year next year, I think Trey asked to be traded. Like, I don't think, with where things are going, I just, I don't think you can do this back to back years. Like, I don't right. think you can sell these young superstars who are having these high usage rates and doing all this stuff. They're like, I'll just leave. Like, I will just force my way out and I'll go somewhere where I can win right away um, because they don't want to wait. They're like, I'm here. I'm ready. And there's yeah. just not, I'm looking around the locker room and I just don't have the town around me to get back to where I want to be. I don't know. Maybe he's wired like Giannis and he wants to stay and make this thing work, but I don't know. I think more likely than not. I mean, my my fantasy is still Zion, where I just kind of want to wait for a little bit and just keep waiting. And like Zion and Trey, I might move back to Atlanta for that. Like <laughs> Zion and Trey is just that is that is my let's see if Zion ever plays for the Pelicans again and if how this summer goes because if he's yeah, out, it's a big summer for them too. Yeah, they really caught fire without him at the end there, and we'll see if CJ and company are able to talk him into playing this fall for them but if not man i don't know i kind of want to wait a little bit anthony davis that's not happening that's the pipe dream that a lot of people have thrown out but i mean my get like my best guess and this is still something that i like my best guess that the hawks try and do this summer is that i think they like they really will try their best to get jordan pool will be my guess is I don't think they go up. I don't think they end up with the Levine type. I don't think they get the big star. That's just never been an Atlanta thing until that happens until Atlanta trades for a legitimate superstar um, in their prime. Like I just, I I'll, I'll see it when I believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. What I think is more likely is Schlink's track record in golden state and him calling being like, you can't afford all these guys, especially if they win the title and they're just like, yeah. Hey, Wiggins and we'll get you a cheaper Wiggins. Here's Deandre Hunter. And here is Bogey or JC or somebody else that we're throwing in and Jordan Poole too, because he's going to cost too much. You can't pay Clay, Steph, Draymond, yep. Wiggins, uh, and then just the young guys who need the minutes, like the Moody's, the Kamingas, the Wiseman still in there, where people are like, they can't trade him. I'm like, they can't pay these nine, 10 guys. Like, they yeah, cannot. They don't have enough money for that. Yeah. Right. So I think Schlink will wait and see how this season ends for Golden State. 
And I would not be surprised if it's Poole or Wiggins is the one big move that they used to shake things up this summer. I could see that. I could totally see that. Wiggins is definitely a guy that would be on your radar. I think Wiggins should have had an all-defense nod this year. Um, mm. he, he really he really did turn it up as a defender. I I think Wiggins would help, but then the question is, like, okay, how much does a guy like that help? Jordan mm. Poole, obviously, being younger, it gives you a little bit more of a timeline to be like, all right, cool, Poole and Trey are our future. Let's build mm. around that backcourt for, for time. If that happens, I'm – Whew, Hawks are going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's fun. And people are like, oh, the defense. I'm like, it's already going to be next to impossible to build an elite defense with Trey. Like, that's just, yeah. it's next to impossible to do that. And I think people, when you throw out the Steph comparisons, like, Steph's a lot bigger than Trey. Steph is a much yeah. bigger dude. And it's just, he's not going to be that kind of defender. That's never going to happen. Um, but that's okay because he has the offense and everything else. So I don't know. I'm very interested to see what happens with Atlanta this summer. Uh, we'll end on this. Do you think. Nuggets fans should be concerned that Tim Connolly gets swiped away, gets everything doubled um, to move to Minnesota. Minnesota keeps their interim GM. So that's, they have some continuity there because people were wondering what that was going to end up being. And I think that's the best case scenario for everybody involved. Um, Because there's just a lot more responsibility that goes into running these front offices now. And you don't want to just have one person in there uh, handling all that. But Calvin Booth has been with Denver for a little while and uh he's assistant gm then he was gm this past year when Connolly got the promotion and now this is his front office this is his show um i mean they've lost uh their last G- gm to chicago he's out okay. and then Connolly's now out and suddenly you're like uh-oh this is not a good time to have this much front office turnover with these high-priced guys and they have a big summer ahead of them they you got jamal murray still and hopefully he's back ready to go michael porter jr still a huge question mark and you got a another MVP in Jokic, and you've got to figure out how do we not have the season we just had. I don't know. Are are you nervous if you're a Nuggets fan right now? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm more so nervous about the fact that you know the the ownership, Cronky uh, and like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the look, they're billionaires. They they own Arsenal um, as a football club. They own the Denver Nuggets. I believe they own the LA Rams as mm-hmm. well. So like they they have the money to invest. But the thing is, one of the main things that was moving Conley from um, from Denver to Minnesota was mm. the fact that they didn't have their own training facility. The Denver Nuggets are one of the only teams in the NBA that do not have their own practice facility. They practice in a high school gym, apparently, uh, from what I was reading. Mm. So it's, it's just these are the type of investments that will go a long way in building a franchise that is sustainable, that is that is honestly that, that can become a championship-worthy franchise. And as much as you have a guy like Jokic that's a two-time back-to-back MVP who's probably going to end up signing the Supermax this year, uh, as much as you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., I think it's these little organizational things. Like, we go back to it with, um, you know, Fred VanVleet and John Collins. Like, people underrate the organizational aspect of this. People underrate the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the practice facility. It's being able to invest in guys. It's... It's, you know, seeing an executive wanting to leave and not paying him that money to keep the continuity going. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're if you're a Nuggets fan, I've been reading a lot of articles about this um, and a lot of Nuggets fans kind of voicing the same thing. Yeah, I would be concerned because this shows you that there's an organization, there's an ownership group in place that isn't willing to invest, is probably not willing to pay the tax um, and really isn't willing to kind of invest in what this team can be. Despite the mm. fact that the, the, this ceiling of the team is massive, I mean, you have right. Nikola Jokic, who might be might be the the best player in the NBA, right? Um, so I just I don't know. I'm, I I think for me, it's it's 
it's clear that this is kind of uh, an unfortunate situation if you're a Nuggets fan. Like, it really, really sucks to think about where it's like, man, I'm, I'm a fan of this franchise, and I don't think they'll, they'll ever get over the hunk, hump because this ownership group isn't willing to invest in whatever players that we have. That's That actually, that ended up happening with Masai Ujiri, obviously, and, and how mm-hmm. he got poached to the Raptors was because the Raptors threw a massive price tag at him, and, and Masai bit, and he ended mm-hmm. up going to, to Toronto instead of staying with Denver. So they have a track record of this, and it's just, it's unfortunate because Nikola Jokic is a once-in-a-lifetime type of player if they were to able to capitalize on it and, and like try to make him win, it would be going into the tax. It would be getting that training facility. It would be keeping Connolly, and they just haven't done that. So big issues in Denver, man. I guess on the flip side, though, if you want to just remain optimistic, if you're a Nuggets fan, it's just that like, hey, we've got our four locked in. Like Gordon's yeah. locked in, Murray's locked in, uh, Porter's locked in, Jokic is locked in. So it's our that's the hard part. The hard part is getting just two of those guys. And, and you have a great the, coach. Like the coach. Yes. Michael Malone, obviously a great coach as well. Yeah, your your core is, is constructed for sure. So now you're just figuring out the edges. And now you're just hoping um there's not a drop off in figuring out how to allocate and fill in the rest of the roster. It's kind of like what the Raptors, you got to figure out now that you've got the guys, you got the five that you trust, the six that you trust, but it's what we've seen in the playoffs now is that you need nine or 10. Like you need a lot of guys that you can trust. You need a Grant Williams who you rely on throughout the year. And then come playoff time, he's a important player because you never know if Robert Williams goes down. You never know now. I I shouldn't even say you never know. We now know because the game, we will not shrink the schedule from 82 to whatever it needs to be that, the playoffs are going to be consistently decided by having your stars, but also having nine to 10 deep with those stars. So not only do you need a star, you need to have the right kind of depth around them to withstand injuries because everyone's going to get injured. Every series is going to be marked by injuries and fan bases. Please stop getting on other fan bases for talking about injuries. and like, Oh, you wouldn't have won if blank went down. It's like, that's just part of basketball now. Like that's just where we're at. I, I just, I don't know how we get around that. Injuries are part of it. The Lakers overlooked that, right? They were kind of behind the times in that way, where it's like, we've got AD, we've got LeBron, we'll trade for Westbrook, give up even more depth, and that will be enough because they can play 40 minutes a night and we can just make this work come playoff time. It's not how it works anymore. You need guys. You need bodies, and not just bodies, but bodies who can contribute in important playoff scenarios. And I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see how Denver continues to fine-tune this group, but... This was a title team a year ago when everyone was healthy, and we'll see uh, this fall if they're able to just, everybody's healthy, we're all back together, business as usual, we're fine, nothing to see here, we're uh, we're, we're fine, uh, don't worry about the high school gym stuff, we're fine, we can get right back into it. Um, well, uh, what can we check out from you, man, this week? What, uh, what can the good folks do to keep up with your work uh, yeah, sure. this week? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, obviously go on the Scores YouTube channel. We always got a lot of cool stuff going. Uh, for me personally, I have a video on Victor Wembanyama coming okay. out, I believe, on Thursday. It should be Thursday or Friday, one of the other mm-hmm. days. Um, and then next week we're going to be talking about draft stuff. So keep a keep a lookout on the YouTube channel. Check us out. And, uh, What's yeah, the thanks channel? Thanks for having me, man. Uh, yeah. The Score. Just, the just score. search up The Score YouTube, and, and you'll be able to find us. It's all one word. But There you go. Appreciate it. Awesome. You, Well, thank you for making the time. I greatly appreciate it. We'll have to check back in again soon. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for part three here on the May 25th, 2022 edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you 
again uh, for checking out the three-part uh, edition of the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, all three parts available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, make sure if you enjoy today's episodes of the program uh, that you leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if that is how you are listening to today's show. Uh, don't forget, you can check us out on YouTube, so make sure to like and subscribe there, youtube.com, the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, you can email this very program at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, jam-packed show for you tomorrow on the Thursday, May 26th edition of the program but you guys have yourself a great rest of your wednesday afternoon and thank you for uh dedicating some of your time to the chase Chase thomas podcast i greatly appreciate it i will talk to you guys soon uncle Derek. how'd i do nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah